Our good word today is in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 5 and 6. We're completing this section where we see Paul, the faithful steward. And we've discovered that we as Christians are to live to please God, not to live to please men. Verse 5 is one way we can please men. Paul says, neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know. People like to be flattered, Christians included. People just love to be flattered. And there are some preachers and some Christians who build their whole ministry on flattery. Uh, This is a glorified Christian salesmanship approach. I suppose you've read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's been out for, I suppose, almost uh, 40 years now. And it's a very successful book, and it has some good ideas in it. But, you know, we as Christian workers and we as servants of the Lord are not to live to please men and to flatter men. For example, I've heard some preachers say to unsafe people, Oh, if you were only a Christian, what a great Christian you would be. How do you know? How do you know who's going to be a great Christian? Or, Oh, if you'd only give your heart to the Lord, what a help you could be to our church. Are you sure of that? This is no way to win souls. People need to be saved, not because they're going to become great Christians or help the church. They need to be saved for the glory of God because Jesus died for them and they're going to hell without Jesus. Paul said we didn't use flattery when we came to Thessalonica. We didn't try to build people up. We didn't lie to them. Flattery is a very subtle form of lying. And Paul said we will not seek the glory of men. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. Now, this is interesting. What do you wear when you go to church? Did you ever go through your Bible and find out what we're supposed to be wearing when we go to church? I don't mean outwardly. I mean inwardly. We're supposed to put on love and put on purity and wear the garments of God's grace. Paul said, I did not use the ministry of the word as a cloak to cover up my covetousness. You know, you can use the ministry. I'm a preacher, and I defend preachers. I thank God for my pastor friends, and I pray for my pastor friends. I believe they pray for me. Preachers don't have an easy time of it if they're being faithful to God. Now, if you're trying to please men, you will have an easy time of it. If you just preach soothing, syrupy kind of sermons that don't stir anybody up, you'll have an easy time of it. But you start fighting the devil and the world and the flesh and preaching the truth of God's word, And people are going to fight you, and the devil's going to fight you, and you're going to have a rough time of it. Every preacher in the Bible did. John the Baptist preached his head right off. Paul preached himself into prison. Jesus preached himself to a cross. Peter preached himself to a cross. Stephen gave a great sermon in Acts chapter 7 and got stoned. Moses was rejected by his own congregation. Isaiah was probably sawn in half. Jeremiah was thrown in prison, dropped down in a well to sink into the muck and the mire. You take the servants of God in the Bible who were faithful to the word of God, and they suffered. Now, Paul said we didn't come to Thessalonica to become celebrities. We came simply to open up the word of God and tell you the truth. We have today in our Christian world a lot of Christian celebrities. You announce that some unknown man is going to come and teach the Bible. Very few people show up. But you name somebody who used to be a dope addict or used to be a drunkard or a murderer or is converted out of show business, and so many of these show business converts never got out of show business. They're still in it. And boy, people come to hear them. Why? People like to have celebrities. Christians who won't go to theaters and places like that love to go to church, which has been turned into a theater by some of these Christian celebrities. Paul said, I refuse to be a celebrity. I refuse to use the gospel 
to cover up my own covetousness, I refuse to use the gospel as a subtle means of getting something for myself. Now, I want to warn any preachers who are listening to me. I don't know how many pastors listen to this program, but if I'm speaking to some pastor, now I speak to myself as well, we've got to be careful not to use the ministry for our own personal gain. I believe churches ought to pay a pastor a decent salary. I believe that when an evangelist or, or a Bible teacher or a missionary comes into my church, he ought to get a decent offering. I don't want to embarrass my people with a small offering. Our people are very generous. But we must never use the ministry to cover up covetousness, getting something for ourselves, either money or fame or open doors. I myself have never asked for a discount. I've never said to anybody where I've made a purchase, now I'm a preacher, I want a discount. I won't do that. I have some friends who do this all the time. They wouldn't buy a stick of gum without telling somebody they're a preacher and they want a discount. This is wrong. Now, if somebody wants to give you a discount or give a missionary a discount, that's his business. But, you know, the Word of God says we should not use religion to cover up gain. I think it's wrong for churches to get into the real estate business. I think it's wrong for denominations to get into money-making operations where the profit is used for something other than the ministry of the Word of God. Now, I know I'm getting into dangerous territory here, and some folks won't like it, but Paul makes it very clear here that the ministry is not to be used as a cover-up for something else. Our lives ought to be devoted sincerely to the ministry of the Word of God. I saw a sign on a drugstore recently that said, prescriptions are our business, our only business. And you didn't find hair nets and all these other gadgets in this store. All they did was compound prescriptions. I have a lot of faith in people like that. We concentrate on one thing, and that is making medicine to make you well. It'd be a good thing if every preacher would follow Paul's counsel in Philippians 3, this one thing I do. Well, he said we didn't use our ministry as a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. I like that. In verse 4, God tries our hearts. In verse 5, God watches our lives. He's witnessing. Hagar said, thou God seest me. God sees. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth. God sees. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto their cry, said Peter. It's a great thing for a person to live in the light of God. You say, well, nobody's watching. Yes, but God's watching. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. God knows. Nobody knows what I'm doing. It's behind closed doors. God knows. And you know, the part of my life that is the most important is the part that only God sees. I want to underscore that right now. Christian friend, you listen to me. The most important part of your life is the part that God sees, only God sees. Now, my church sees me on the platform. They see me in the Sunday school classroom. They see me visiting, and they see me in the hospital. But God sees my heart. God sees my private life. God sees things my wife doesn't see. God sees things the deacons don't see. And the most important part of my life is the part that only God sees, because that's the part that determines the rest. Sure, I can be in the pulpit preaching, but why am I preaching? Because I have to? Because I'm earning a living? Because I want to show off? Or am I there because God wants me there and I'm serving him? I repeat it, the most important part of your life is the part that only God sees. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness 
nor of men sought we glory. Now, some people like this. You know, there are in every church weak-minded people who like to worship idols. In a previous lesson, we had a discussion about idols. 1 Corinthians 3, one part of the church said, oh, I'm for Paul. Another part said, I'm for Apollos. He's such a great orator. Another one said, no, I'm for Cephas, for Peter, the old fisherman. Now, friend of mine, don't be a preacher follower. You ought to love your pastor. You ought to work with your pastor. And you ought to thank God for your pastor if he's a faithful man, but don't worship him. Don't build your life on your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. That's childish. A mature Christian follows the Lord, and he follows the pastor as long as the pastor follows the Lord. Paul said we didn't seek glory from men or from you. We didn't seek glory from anybody. And by the way, this word glory carries with it the idea of support. Paul actually worked himself. Down in verse 9, he says, Ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Paul was a tent maker, and wherever he went, he paid his own bills. Now, Paul did this for one reason only. If you'll read 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10, you'll find out what that reason was. Paul does not deny that churches ought to pay their pastors or their missionaries. Paul doesn't deny this one bit. In fact, he makes it very clear that the laborer is worthy of his hire and that they that preach the gospel should live from the gospel. The reason Paul gave up his rights to personal support was that no one could accuse him of preaching the gospel from a wrong motive. Paul was an evangelist. And as he came into these different towns, folks would say, oh, sure, the only reason he's preaching is to make money. The only reason he's out here is to make money. But Paul didn't take any money. Paul knew that money could stand between him and winning souls. And consequently, Paul worked with his own hands as a tent maker. And he earned his own way so that nobody could ever say Paul was preaching for personal gain. Now, whether or not a pastor receives a salary, that salary ought not to determine his ministry. It's sometimes rather sickening when some evangelists come through. Now, we've not had any of them at our church, and I thank God for it, but I've seen them in other places. Some evangelists come through, and all they talk about is the love offering, the love offering. It's got to be big. It's got to be big. I'm sorry about that. I don't think a Christian worker ought to be like that. Uh, some missionary letters, not all, thank God, but some missionary letters are just veiled, begging for money. Now, I know a missionary has needs, and I just soon he'd write me and say, look, we've got a need. I tell all of our missionaries from our church, now, look, when you've got a need, tell us about it. And if we can help, we will. If we can't, we won't. But please tell us, don't cover it up. Paul was not like this. Paul did not cover anything up. He said, openly, we did not seek glory or support from men, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Now, this word burdensome means we might have used our authority as the apostle of Christ. Now, he was an apostle, and he did have authority. I spoke to our college and career group just a little while ago, and I made this point in my little message to them. I said this, if you want to know what a man is really like, don't give him responsibility Give him privileges. Give him authority. Don't give him responsibility. Anybody can stand responsibility. But give him some privileges. A man reveals what he is really like 
by the way he handles privileges and not by the way he handles simply responsibility. Uh, as a pastor, I have many privileges. I don't punch a clock. My time schedule is my own. It's pretty well taken up with work day and night, but my time schedule is my own. There are some preachers, you give them a time schedule that's their own, and they'll go out in the golf course seven days a week. There are some Christians, the only reason they go to work and punch the clock is not to please the Lord. They have to. But you give them some privileges, and they'll find every excuse not to do what they're supposed to do. Now, Paul tells us in verse 6 that his ministry as a steward was one of faithfulness. He did not throw his weight around. He did not throw his authority around. Now, there's nothing wrong with authority. God has established headship in the home and in the church. Christ is the head of the church. The pastor is the leader of the church. But the pastor is not supposed to throw his weight around. A friend of mine said several years ago, and I've not forgotten, that you do not demand respect, you command it. And people followed Paul's ministry because they saw in him honesty and sincerity and love and devotion and faithfulness. He did not demand respect. He commanded it by the life that he lived. I want to leave that word with you today. Don't throw your weight around. Don't throw your authority around. Just live to please the Lord Jesus Christ as a faithful steward. And you know, a strange thing will happen. God will see that he can trust you. And because he can trust you with the gospel and he can trust you with some authority and some responsibility and privileges, then he'll start trusting you with souls. Well, this is Pastor Warren Wearsby thanking you for listening. And I trust that our explaining of the Word of God has been a help to you personally and that you'll want to tune in again next time to What's the Good Word?